This is a global original podcast. Hi and welcome to Confessions of a Modern Parent. The podcast where my husband Mark and I discuss the challenges, difficulties, frustrations and ultimately the joys of being parents and step-parents to four wonderful, talented, beautiful daughters aged between 25 and 12. So here we are, empty nest syndrome. I'm flapping... Flapping my wings. Oh, there's so many people, like a number of my friends. You're going through Kids this. Kids have gone off to university and they're in agony. Yes. Actually, one is quite... Well, she adores her son, but she's like, ah, I can just get on with oh, the right. stuff. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. See, I, I think I'm going to be a mess. I yeah, think I'm going to be a mess. and it's great because we've had so many people contact us with yes. all, going right across this broad spectrum of feelings yeah. with this. And this is happening now. This is this is happening now. It's very different in COVID, but everywhere, all across the country, Freshers' Weeks are trying to happen with social distancing. Meanwhile, parents left at home sobbing into their breakfasts mm. in their silent kitchens with no-one playing music upstairs and no-one moodily walking through the kitchen. Is it a joy or is it a horror? Uh-huh. Really funny, whenever we start these, I'm always thinking of the music that the listeners are currently listening to under our <laughs> voice and I'm trying to talk in rhythm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so sorry if I was trying to emulate the music that you're already listening to. Welcome. I wonder why podcasts have to have music. It's that strange sort of... Sli- it's a sort of gesture, isn't it, to format and television mm. and structure and packaging. Ah, yeah. Okay. So if I'm you don't like the packaged. music, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what are we talking about today? Well, this is the week and or the last couple of weeks yeah. that um, so many gorgeous eighteen-year-old little boys and girls have flown the nest, I know. leaving their parents bereft. Oh. So we thought it'd be good to have a chat around that, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, empty nest syndrome. Yeah, and we've ENS. so many comments We really have, in. it's been quite... And you've really spoken from the heart, guys, yeah. so thank you so much. It's, it's almost surprised me how many we've had. It's, it's, mm. been, it's been quite, um, quite, quite a number. Um, so, I mean, in terms of when we start these conversations, obviously you didn't go to university, I did. But the emptiness thing isn't just about going to university, is it? It's about no. that time in your life where, as a teenager, uh, as, a, as a young adult, you decide to finally, finally fly the nest and sort of set yourself up on your own two feet. The most common way in which that happens is university. And you could argue, given that our girls are homeschooled and that they're, they're following different routes, though Kiki is returning to school and Maddie may well go to a college which does BAs and what have you. Um, you could argue that this isn't something that's going to affect us in the way that it's affecting most people at the moment, which is that very conventional uh, sort of narrative of you take your A-levels and then you pop off mm-hmm. to college. Um, that said, I'm sure this year that's not even the case for many people because of the COVID crisis. So I'm sure mm-hmm. that's kind of interfered with it somewhat. But was there a sort of jump-off moment for you when you were younger? No. Oh. Not, not like, here I go and I'm gone. Oh, right. Because... I had, I was very, very blessed that I had, um, my dad, you know, okay, I've got to, I've got to wind back a bit here because I don't want to sound like a privileged spoiled brat. Yeah, go back to when you were a Because I really wasn't a privileged spoiled brat. (laughs) But my dad is Jordanian and the culture is very, very different and you keep your family close for as long as you can. Sure. So when we were about, 15, my dad said, you started to look so big that you might leave home. <laughs> so he... Um, he uh... That's such a him way of describing <laughs> it. Really you look so big, it makes you sound like a fig. 
<laughs> so it looks he, so ripe, you're going. <laughs> he had a garage and he converted the garage. I love a garage. Into two, like, bed sits. I suppose that's the way you could describe them yeah. for my sister and I. And he said, you know, I remember when I first came to England, the horrible snakes that were landlords that would come and it does make me laugh now when I think of her knocking on the door for money. I said, what, like the rent, Dad? But, you know, you're a father of daughters and suddenly everybody is a threat. So he did. He converted this garage and it was very simple. My sister and I each had like a studio. A studio, I would say it would be called. Um, and so I had a base because I moved in there when I was about 16. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. But it had connecting door to this to the house that right. my parents still live in next yeah. door. Um, and so it was kind of like, oh, I've met a boyfriend. Oh, I suddenly don't come home for three months. Oh, I'm right. going away traveling. I mean, I went when I first left school, I went away for a year traveling at 15 on my own. Right. So mine isn't a clear cut thing. And then I would always come back. I had this base that I would always come back mm. to. Um, and, you know, I mean, lived in all sorts of terrible flats and because kids have this need to strike out, don't they, and pay their rent, whatever. Mm. Even though I had this place, I wanted to go out, I wanted to suffer, I wanted mm. to do all that stuff, like Maddie says to us all the time. Um, but what I do remember, which I think is relevant probably to this conversation, is that I never thought about my parents suffering because I was gone. Right. It was like, I'm off to do this and mm. this is going to be great fun. Oh, I better ring my mum and dad. And that, I think that's a rite of passage that you that mm. you kind of, you close the door and you don't look back. Um, I do think because we've got, we've had homeschool kids, with, there's a different kind of relationship and narrative going on with all of us. Mm. I mean, Maddie said to me yesterday, mum, I have never, ever, ever gone anywhere without letting you know where I am and mm. letting you know what time I'm coming back. And I thought, and I, thought I said, you know, I can't argue with that. That is actually true. We've never forced that down our neck. But that's what we have with them. And I actually do think for a little while longer with Maddie. But, oh my goodness, sometimes when she's away for two nights running, mm. it's painful. Mm. And I do think, oh my God, maybe next year when COVID has settled down a bit, she will go to drama school or, or somewhere and she'll be gone for a whole three years. But that's interesting going back to your leaving, not that you left home. So you had many moments where you kind of left home for, say, longer than two nights, which we feel when Maddie's not here. Yeah, so, never but, thought but you never an impact th on my parents Exactly. So you had no comprehension of you. But, but presumably neither two were your parents making you aware no. of any of their feelings at all, were they? No, have a great time, go yeah. and have a great... Which is exactly what I will do. Because I do wonder... Because I had a complete reverse of that situation mm -hmm. where... Um, you know, I, I was very like Maddie. I mean, I the only way I could really rebel against my mum was to be, with a small c, quite conservative, i.e. long-term relationships, didn't, you know, have lots of girlfriends. And I always let her know by landline, I'd phone her if I was out, or I'd let her know that day where I was going and what time I'd be in. Um, this was a, during the period as a teenager, obviously. But when it came to me going to university, without getting into the details, because it was quite a difficult period of time, both for her and her relationship with the woman she was with and for me in relationship to both of them, it was intense in all the wrong ways, but intense it still was, if you know what I mean. And in that intensity breeds, I suppose, a kind of, you know, codependency and all that kind of stuff. Um, and in that codependency, there was a, you know, a relationship of sorts. And I remember and her relationship was falling apart. So when I got to the point where I was about to head off to university, 
she got incredibly emotional. I mean, she almost got so emotional, it was kind of contradictory to the, the extent to which we'd been quite estranged ourselves between each other for the period of being a teenager. It suddenly, I was forced quite aggressively into thinking, my mum doesn't have anything. What am I leaving behind with my mum? I remember her so crying. did you feel she was... She was crying a lot. She was standing at the top of the stairs, and I remember her screaming at me at one point because she discovered some terrible fact about her then-partner, who she wasn't happy with, but she discovered that, you know, they were splitting up. Um, and I remember her falling to pieces. And I remember standing there on the top of the, on the, uh, the, top of the stairs thinking, I can't look after you. I just can't look after was you she, anymore. Was she voicing anything like that? Yeah, she was like, "When you know, I, what am I going to do when you've gone? What am I going to do with mm. the house? I can't be on my own. And she was sort of articulating all the things that, I, you know, going through a lot of the comments, a lot of parents feel, but it's kind of, you know, we've learned now that you don't say them. And I don't think she was saying them, you know, if she looked back, she'd regret saying all of that and putting mm. it on me. I mean, she wasn't doing it in a sort of, mm. she was desperate. I could see yeah. she was a desperate woman. And when... When I actually headed off to college, I mean, the funny thing about me heading off to college was when I got there, I lied to everyone there that I'd cycled. <laughs> it was only the more astute people that I met down there who saw that I had a suitcase and looked at it and went, how the hell did you get that on a bike? Because, you know, you could probably have done it with a backpack, yeah. but not a bloody suitcase. Anyway, I hadn't cycled. Uh, I just thought it was a cool narrative. But my mum had taken me down. And when she drove me down and dropped me off in what she used to drive uh, a Ford Transit that was like the A-Team's Transit, and she was this tiny lesbian who would be in the sort of wheel. You know, she was great. It was a great image, you know. And I remember her pulling out of Elliot College at Canterbury Univ University of Kent, sobbing uncontrollably. And I remember my skin blistering. As a couple of people I'd made friends with, I'd met my roommate, I was, you know, sharing this room. I was thinking, just get away! Just get away! Get away! <laughs> and I felt, and I don't mean this in a horrible way, but I genuinely felt nothing, because I didn't see it as the end of a no, relationship. No. And I think it's about POV, isn't it? And that's what we have to remember. You know, yeah. when, when Maddie sort of snapped at me yesterday and said, you've never, I've always told you where I were, mm. or where I am. And I had to say to her, Maddie, because she'd asked me about going somewhere, and I was just checking that she was going to be safe. I said, Maddie, look at my face. Yeah. Why do you think I'm saying this? It's simply because I care. Mm. There's no other reason. I want you to always have the best time. Mm. But I do also really care about you, so I want to know. But in that moment, and of course she was like, oh, I'm sorry, Mum. But in that moment, she just couldn't understand what I was saying. Because yeah. I was worried about her walking across the common, doing all this. It was just, she was so in her moment and yes. in her life and about to do the thing that she really wanted to do. It wasn't about her not wanting to be with me or not mm. liking me or not like. It's just... In their, they're in their moment at this age. I don't know. If, and it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it is heartbreaking. But we have to let go. I don't know if you remember last year, it was a very sort of poetic moment and a very sort of symbolic moment uh, where we sat on the back step and we watched a bunch of blue tits, baby blue tits, leave the bird box opposite our mm. back window. And um, when you think of that, I mean, th that's very much what it's about, isn't it? You're trying to get your kids, your birds, to kind of be able to flap their wings and feel a degree of sort of safety and, and mm. stability and certainty in the next steps that they're making. Um and it's about seeing it as being left behind. But the curious contradiction I've got in terms of... So that was our stories of how we left home or didn't leave home and us not thinking or thinking about our parents' emotions. But when we <coughs> think about our children leaving home, I've obviously, in a weird way, I've gone through it with two girls already who've gone to university, but they didn't leave my home. They left their mum's homes. Um, and there was a weird thing about that because when I was thinking about empty nest syndrome today, I was thinking, actually, at the point that Izzy, say, went to college... It was suddenly a step closer for me. Izzy's Mark's eldest. Izzy's my eldest, yeah. So 27 now. now. So she stepped closer 
in many regards yeah. because she came to college in Go uh, in London and 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 so for me it was an opportunity to realize some of the stuff I hadn't had and I was then I sort of got to thinking I wonder if that's a, a situation for many absent dads or dads mm. that aren't living with their children that actually the moment they go to college there's a freedom because actually you haven't got for I'm not suggesting this was this was the case with Izzy but you know you haven't got to go through any sort of um firewall of the other parent you're suddenly there's an unfiltered connection between you and your child I think also I think what happens is everybody up until the age of 18 is doing all sorts of things they should yeah. be doing they're drinking they might be smoking they might be doing god knows what having sex whatever yeah so a distance comes between you and that child because even though you probably guessed everything that they're doing <laughs> they still think they still think that you'd be desperately disappointed in yeah. them if they were doing any of these things so i think one of the good things that can come out of it is that because, like you've just articulated is that they now feel an adult yeah they now can come and see you in their own terms yeah. they maybe don't feel they have to hide as much yeah. so you maybe get a more authentic conversation going yeah. with them and so I think that's the way to always to look at it. Yeah. You know, I mean, like yesterday when I had this conversation with Maddie, I just realised, wow, this is really shifting mm. because she is nearly 18. And she's, mum, mm. I'm nearly 18. And, and it was just like, oh, my God. God yeah. I mean, I had a moment of yeah. the university moment. It's like, <gasps> yeah, and I've got, I'm going to have to watch you eat a load of shit mm. and worry about your B vitamins <laughs> and not say a bloody word. I'm going to have to let you go out at 10 o'clock at night and to meet somebody across the common because I can't stop you. Mm. And this is what I'm going to have to do. Mm. And she does not want to see the pain on your face. No. Because that doesn't stop her. I mean, she's a really, really good kid and we do, I do feel really lucky about that. But I, But I think that we do as parents, we have to hide it. We have to hide oh, it. Oh, absolutely. Every, I mean... There's nothing wrong with saying, oh, my God, I'm going to miss you so yeah, much and you yeah. know that and I love you and you can come any time of day or night, you call us, there's going to be a roast dinner in the oven. But it's a hard da, balance da, da. to strike. It's a hard it's balance a to strike because, I mean, I would say without naming any specifics, I mean, there are, there are times where I've tried to be, I've tried to promote that message to my eldest and it's got sort of mangled and misinterpreted as me kind of wanting, needing something from them. So you've got to really check how you have that correspondence with your kids. I'm not saying this is like top tips, but there is a kind of, there's a word of caution there that you, you do want to say I'm going to miss you but with some kids you've really got to you've really got to judge it because any amount of need oh, is like it's it, not it fair. May, no it's not I fair I mean when I think about my my, my mum was a very old fashioned mum mm. she was really strict you know we used to get told off we used to get hit mm. we used to get sent to our bedrooms we used to get you know your pocket money taken all the proper 70s 80s yeah. sort of mum and uh, and I and I was a bit scared of her and all of that stuff and then I hit 18, 17, 18, and it was suddenly completely different. And right. I thought, oh, my God, I love this person. Right. I knew I loved her, but I really like this person. Right, yeah. And we did so much more together, and for most of my adult life, she's come on holiday with me, and I used to go on holidays, and she's older now, but I used to go on holidays on my own with her before we were married. We'd mm. go away for weekends together and do all of that stuff that I would never have imagined. Right, wow. And I think what my mum did so well was she relinquished control. Right. She said, I don't have this control and I'm not going to try and have this control. They're not going to come home and I'm going to be, right, so what time are you coming in and then and what is your boyfriend like? Mm. Because what are you going to do? Mm. You're going to turn away from the parent that does that. You're going to 
you know, do a duty visit, but you're not going to hang out with them. Yeah. And I think that that's the really difficult shift to make as your children grow older to, to, it to is just difficult. drop some of the... It is difficult because if I think, I do think there's a couple of components here that are interesting. I wanted to talk about, do you think it's a particularly British thing? I mean, you talk about how close your family is, cultural, that's a very culturally specific thing. It's not to say English, British families aren't close, they are, but... They're close in a different way. We're not big on that whole all generations living together necessarily. We're big on the idea that you leave home, you buy a flat, you Mm. set up on your own and all that kind of stuff. Or if you're still at home, you pay to be at home. Precisely, yeah, all of that. Insane in my dad's culture. Yeah, absolutely. You can't believe... No. That people pay their mums and dads to... Well, I must admit, as I get older, I feel like I'm morphing into your father, Teddy, because I start to think that, because the only people who get tapped for the money for rent and deposits are the parents. So you may as well bloody house them as close as you can to yourself (laughs) or in your own house. Um, But, of course, that's not what the child wants. Um, So there's the cultural thing, which is interesting. But there's also, I think there's a very different thing that kicks in with, and obviously I'm only a father to girls, Um, And I'll talk about the fact that although it was kind of strangely liberating the empty nest moment for uh, with Izzy and Fleur, my eldest, because without sounding sort of, I don't know, sort of rude, they weren't emptying my nest, they were emptying their mum's nest and that was going to fall my way to to, to some extent. Um, I think boys are a very different kettle of fish to girls. And I think that, you know, I've seen and I can think of people that we know who've had sons who go to have gone to university and they hear nothing for six to nine months. And I think mm. that's really tough because that's not that the boys aren't thinking about them, though maybe they're not. <laughs> but, you know, boy, I do think boys aren't as programmed into that sort of keeping in touch with home, making sure that they know that you oh, know, things God, are going definitely. on. Do you know what I I've mean? I've seen that with my sister. That's what, that's what oh I mean. Oh, my God. I mean, literally hear nothing for... Nothing. Have you heard from nothing. him? Not for seven no, months. Nothing for the birthday. Nothing. No, nothing for Mother's well, girl, Day. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a generalisation, yeah. but it seems to me in my experience and speaking to friends that girls are much more... Pl- stayed much more plugged Plugged in. in. It's funny, though, isn't it? Going back to our girls. So I haven't actually had the experience of Empty Nest, and we are on it, we're sitting with it. I can feel at times that Maddie is on the edge of that nest. Well, she's talking about going travelling next year. And that's a huge letdown because... Oh, the dangers of travelling, yeah. off with a group, you know, yeah. oh, my God. Well, she's remember. also been talking about the possibility of moving to Bristol. Yeah. And as soon as that conversation first came up recently, I literally felt like my heart was attached to a bungee cord. Mm. It, it it just flew across the room like that Marvel film Venom. It just went across the room and I was looking at my heart, I was thinking, oh, my God, what am I feeling right now? I'm feeling absolute panic. Do you think it's worse for us because we were so wild and we just think, oh, my God, Bristol. I, I mean, when I we met... I think it's Bristol. <laughs> we know what Bristol is well, like. No, I know, but everywhere is no, like but anywhere. No, I, I, don't, I mean, just, just, just anywhere. I yeah. think if you've lived a wilder life, yeah. I imagine that everything that we did, they're going to do, and maybe they're not as crazy as us. Maybe they're more sensible. Well, we'll never know, though, will we? I mean, that's, that's yeah. the worry. But I have to say, it was my first experience, my first experience. You've just described how you felt when, you know, you, the thought of her, of her going out. She's been a good kid, she's a good girl. When I actually go to the place of thinking of our lives without, let's think of Maddie for now, because, you know, Kiki's that much younger. It's not, you know, I'm, I'm saying this to us and I'm saying this for this chat because maybe it'll be, you know, relatable for people listening. It feels like I'm going to have an amputation. It feels that big a thing. We connect on so much. We like each other. We're friends. We love the same things. We get the same humour. When I think of her going, I think of a huge part of myself going. And if I'm really honest, 
I'm really honest. And you were ta- you were telling me about a friend of yours whose husband was, un- uh, you know, unnaturally not unnaturally, but surprisingly caught up in in their emotions when their child left for university recently. I think I'm going to be like that. I really related to that. I heard you say that story to me, and I paused and I thought, oh my god, he was just sobbing. Oh my god, mm-hmm. I can really relate to that mm-hmm. because there's so much other stuff that goes on you know your relationships are very specific with the girls to you mine are very specific you know in, t- in terms of the way i connect with them and then the thought of her not being there it is like a death it is like a death in the house i mean it's not obviously a permanent death mm. but it's it, it the fear and the feelings that i have when i approach that the reality of that thought that the door won't go, that she won't come in, that she won't come in looking moody, that she won't come in and be sort of monotone or, you know, monosyllabic. That, I have to say. Huh? Mono, monosyllabic. I won't miss that. <laughs> no, 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 but there's all those things. And, you know, some of what I'm saying is threaded through some of the comments that people have sent in. It's not an exaggeration to say I get really anxious because it makes me question the very essence of what my point is and what my... Because I've been a dad since I was 23. And I've thought in these terms constantly. And what tends to happen at the point that they leave home and go, you know, go off into the world is that their need of you it becomes infinitely more practical. You know, it's money, it's finances, it's can you move me from here to there? But you're not going to be going to the cinema together. You're not going to be seeing stuff together. You're not going to be just going, oh, have you seen, shall we watch? Oh, shall we, you know, all of that sort of stuff. You will. I, well, you will, but not in the same way. And I, and, and I do worry about you know, outside of work time, the acres of, you know, I mean, I'm not as social or sociable as you are. You've got a big social framework, a social life to kind of dip it, dip into and fall back on and, and indulge in and share in your experiences. And, and I think I, I'm falling foul of what a lot of, I, I, I'd have thought, you know, fathers listening to this feel, which is that they live, there's always this idea that mothers live vicariously through their children, but I think fathers really do too. I think fathers live through their children massively. Because they give them purpose. Mm. Do you agree? Absolutely. I think everything that a mother can feel, a father can feel. I think we don't give enough credence to that. You know, just the mother's instinct, just the mother's love. But I take it you don't feel no. the same. Um, I don't worry about it in the same way. Um, but then having said that, when she's away for a couple of nights, I really start to miss her. I really, really miss her. I think... Everything you've said is just the absolute differences between you and I. I always believe that everything's going to be fine. And you always, you always, you like to prepare. You feel if you go to the worst place, you're going to feel you're going to be more prepared. I always feel if I prepare for the worst, I can be pleasantly surprised. But what I think happens with that is that people prepare for the worst. So they have all the feelings before feeling worse. And then they feel just as bad when it happens as well. So they feel worse for longer. Whereas my hope is... My biggest worry isn't so much about how I'm going to be left feeling. My biggest worry is they just seem so young at 18. Yeah. Before you have children, you think, oh, when they're 18, and then when they're 18, something magical doesn't happen. And no, it actually, doesn't. years later, your <laughs> eldest said to us, when I went to college and I was 18 and I went to university, I was actually a baby bird that should have still been in a nest. Wow. And I, yeah. I remember Izzy saying that. Yeah. And that's how I feel. Mm. I feel that we have. Um, I, I feel that our girls are very, very, mm. they're very kind and I'm really proud of them for that, but it also worries me. That they could be taken advantage of. Well, 
Yeah, those are the things yeah. that come in. All the things that come into my mind. It's when the I risk think of being a kind on, person. It's the risks of being out in a very dangerous world, much more yeah. than how I'm going to feel. Um, you know, at the moment when you know, it's like my friend whose daughter just gone to university. You know, up until a week before she was going to university, she was still waiting up till three o'clock in the morning before mm. she came in. And I said, "Why don't you just go to bed?" She went, "I can't." I said. But in a week, you're going to have to. Because every single night, <laughs> yes. you won't know where she is. Yes. You will, will not know. Is, it like, about, is that about control? No. No, God, no. No, I'm not saying with not, her. I mean, not, I mean, generally no, with no, parents. I, no, is no, it no, about I us don't. losing control? Yeah, but I mean, control when you're a parent is about keeping your child safe. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think either of us are mad control freaks with no. my kids. We're really well, not. I've, I've struggled at times. I mean, I've really fought we it. We don't have tons of rules. No. And we're not telling them every five minutes what to do at all. In fact, I think we could have been a bit more controlling, to be honest. Right. But the, in within the safety mm. arena... And getting that real shock with her yesterday, saying, Mum, I'm nearly 18. Mm. You can't even... Why are you saying this to me? I've been walking across the common for this time and that time. And you just think, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Uh. And that really, really frightens me. I've, I get really frightened about them. Oh, God. You know, when we think of all the relationships that we've had that we shouldn't have, mm. I fear for the relationships because I really believe that you keep your enemies close to you. I think that you are, my policy will always be that all boyfriends are welcome. Mm. They can stay, they can come on a holiday, they can do everything because I want them nearer to me because I want to see who they are and what they are. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, if she's suddenly living in Manchester or she's travelling around the world for a year, I haven't... This, all this stuff frightens me. And yet I won't do a single thing about it. I won't try and control it. Mm. But I worry about how much that could play on my mind on a day-to-day -day basis. I agree. I mean, I think all of those... I mean, the other night I dropped Maddie off. She was having a, a meet-up with friends and she said, this is fine. And I said, this isn't fine where I'm dropping you off. This isn't mm. fine. She said, no, no, it's fine. I'm going to wander off into that wood. I mean, it was like... If there was a rule book on parenting, father, a father's survival handbook... Rule one is don't drop your daughter off on the At edge woods. of a forest in a deserted part of London with low-key lighting and watch her disappear at 11 o'clock at night. Well, I mean, how the hell did that even well, happen? I, well, I went ballistic and I said, your male friends have to, from here on in, agree to pick you up because I'm not letting you out of the car until so someone comes to the car. So we could keep having this conversation. Yeah, yeah, again. yeah, no, no, exactly. <laughs> but I've noticed in the repeating of us talking about that with her, she was really exerting the 18-year-old thing. And this is what happens. I mean, what I was interested about what you were just saying then is, is do you think it's slightly arbitrary, the whole 18-year-old thing? Arbitrary. It's a societally yeah. constructed thing that sits neatly with education because and goes to university. Because you had to have a cut-off point. Because yeah. otherwise you'd go on forever. <laughs> Ah. What was that show where the guy lived at home, was it? Sorry. Uh, sorry, yeah. yeah with Ronnie You'd just Corbett. go on forever, wouldn't you? Language, Timothy. Language. But, but is that... Could you argue that's kind of what slightly happened with your family in, in terms of your relationship with your, your parents? You're a very childlike family. You're a very... I don't mean childish in a sort of negative way. I mean it in a really sort of complimentary way. You are sort of eternal optimists. You are all... You do all say yes to playing. It's no surprise you became actors because you're players. You know, you're players on a stage. You all like to play. Uh, and... And there's a sort of there's a sort of childishness about all of you, which spills into other stuff that's a bit too childish. Mm. But interestingly, if you think about the living component, you know how you've lived alongside your parents and how your sisters have lived near to your parents throughout your lives as a family, and you're well known in the country as that sort of family. You could argue that really 
you did away with the arbitrary 18-year-old thing. It wasn't ever that cut-off point for your mm. family. You're an example of what can happen I within a family. I felt my mum ran out of steam at about 17. <laughs> no, she really did. Right, oh, right. Okay. You know, mothering... What, with you? or with, cause, All of us. Oh, right. I think mothering used to be much harder than it is now. Yeah. You know, my mum didn't have a car and she cooked right. three meals a day and she, she baked her bread. own bread and, <laughs> you know, she was strict and that's exhausting yeah. to be strict with three girls, three really domineering girls. Yeah. And so she ran out of steam at 17. And I right. think she was very, very grateful to. Yeah. Very grateful to. Lots of people listening to this right now, you're probably sat there and you've got little Johnny or little Tarquin or little, I don't know, Sarah heading off to college and all that kind of stuff. And I did some research and that really sort of hefty, hefty, responsible uh, publication, the, the Financial Times, published a list of, list of do's and don'ts for parents. And I thought we could just wrap, wrap, you know, wrap, run through them and wrap them off between ourselves. And so these are do's and don'ts in terms of how to deal with your child when they leave home and they've emptied the nest. So number one is, do let them know that you have got absolute confidence in their ability to cope at university or wherever they're going, even if you aren't 100% confident. Mm. So that's important. Lie to your child, essentially. I mean, a lot, a huge part of parenting is lying, isn't it? I don't know if it's cool. I don't know if that is lying. I think you, I think you can't actually know. No. So you might think, oh, they won't cope. But how much is about that if you're really deep, deep down? Is that you're not wanting them to cope? I mean, if you think of... I still miss giving them a bottle. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> what, um, a bottle of gin. But, but so, you know, it, they can cope. But, they can cope, cope. but coping is different to different people. You see, I think Maddie would say she's coping with her diet if she was eating fried chicken every day, but we wouldn't see that as coping. Mm, but she will live. True. Do reassure them that if they need your support, you're there. Some young people feel their parents are glad they've gone and are then un oh. unable to admit they're unhappy or have made the wrong oh. decision. Well, That's I think, key. I think for a lot of... I mean, there was a stat you told me last year about how mm. many children actually didn't want to be at university but went because their parents Absolutely. wanted to go. Absolutely. Parental I pressure. Thought, oh, my God, imagine if you're absolutely hating it because I do think young people tend to think of university, oh, getting a flat partying, da -da, mm. but it's incredibly hard work as well and I'm sure many do fall behind yeah. or they don't make the connections that they thought they would and, yeah. you know, they still can be bullying and problems they had at school could well be... And imagine not being able to say that because yes. you know your parents are so over the moon that well, you're, you're three A stars and you're A levels and now you're studying much more in such and such university and they're telling mm. all their friends and that huge responsibility. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, I it's not... it's really important that you you say to your children, and I will always say this, and I do with anything they do, I say, always talk. We can always talk about whatever's going on. Mm. I'll never be angry. I'll never be disappointed. Mm. But but I, I will be... I would be really worried if I thought you were going away for the, from mm. this, not thinking that if you really needed us, you could talk I think, to And us. I think it's really important, I think, without shame, shamelessly plugging our book, um, Honey, I Homeschooled the Kids, where we sort of question or we slightly prod at the standard narrative of the learning system, so i.e. university being <coughs> the final pit stop, if you like, or station on the line. 
I do think it's important to be able to fold into your family plan for your child and for you as a family. The idea that if they do go away, you know, how many kids go away and make the wrong choices in their courses? But you're right, so many of them stick with it because they feel they've made the decision and they felt like they've been in, and, and to be fair, parents feel that they have to shove their children out the door because that's the system, it's the conveyor belt, that's the expectation. We can't have Johnny just sitting here upstairs all the time. The, you know, and I do worry I that we're all, pre- we're all pressured mm. into this narrative. I remember so, a few years ago talking to a friend of mine and um, all she kept saying for the months that they were going to look at universities, she said, my boy doesn't want to go to university. I know right. it. everywhere we're going, I can just tell. Right. I said, well, why is he going? Oh, his dad's always wanted it. His dad's <sighs> always wanted it. And this went on and on and on. He had a miserable first couple of years. Yes. And then the, the, the final year, how was it? Oh, yeah, you know, he's got through it. It's good. And I thought, bloody hell, got through primes, got through this. Now you're getting through university. This is a lot of life. Yeah. You know, If I, I think if people really, really feel that they are just, if you can be really honest with yourself and think, is my child going to do this degree because they really love this? They yeah. love this subject and they want to, and they want to have this huge experience of living alone and... and if, if you can tick most of the boxes as yes, but if you have a lot of boxes that you've ticked no, then maybe that means you need to have another conversation. Mm. Be flexible. You don't necessarily have to be on this runaway train. No, be flexible. Not there is no runaway train. Not everyone has to go. But yeah. I do think that the university thing, you feel you can't stop it. Mm. I mean, I remember loads of people crashing and burning very quickly at college. And, it, you know, and they, yeah, so, yeah, university. And they, and they all felt that they couldn't turn round in their journey. I mean, yeah. fortunately, back then, they weren't, you know, accruing tens of thousands of pounds worth of debt. So you've got that additional thing. It's that weird thing. As soon as you're £20,000 in debt, you sort of think, well, in for a penny, yeah. in for a pound, a better and get something out of this. What is value for money? I think, you know, again, you monetize it, it's, it's difficult. A big don't is, and this might be appropriate to your friend that you were talking about, don't monitor their progress via social media. The temptation and ability to check up on children is irresistible, but you can be left with a lot of information that won't be reassuring, will increase your anxiety mm. and will increase your anxiety. For your child, checking their accounts can feel like surveillance. If you're worried, make contact by phone and yeah, ask them to get in touch. I think that's good, isn't it? I mean, sometimes we've had way in the past, years ago now, when the girls might post something and they haven't put inverted commas in and it's a lyric of a song they love and it's like, I want to see my blood or my... <laughs> and you, and we, we're like, oh, oh my, my God, God, what's going, what's going on? on? Yeah. What's the matter? Oh, God, it's just such and such and such and such song. And so I re- that really resonates with yes. me. Yes. I mean, there are a couple of occasions, I think Izzy remembers, where I, I had to contact her about something I saw on social media and then I realised I just can't... I just can't go there. You can't, I can't go there. Run any relationships by what you see on no. social media, no. children or anyone. No, and also because everyone's showing a select yeah. part of their lives. Uh, this is an important one, actually. I think me and Izzy and Fleur struggled with this, and we've talked about it subsequently. Do have a conversation about contact generally, ideally before they leave. You might want to ring every night, but your child will not want you to. Ask them what they think will be helpful every couple of days or once a week. You are t- now two negotiating adults, and this is a new reality. I think that's really useful. That's I mean, nice that they say that. I thought you wouldn't even be allowed to ask for that. Well, I, when I think of your sister, say, who's desperate for contact from Blessing Finley, who's lovely. I mean, and this is the thing. Oh, this isn't sorry. about this isn't about a child <laughs> being a sort of selfish mm. kid or whatever. Mm. Lovely, generous, but out of vision, out of mind. You're living your life. Kids, if you're listening, just pick up the phone. It's two minutes. Yeah, Send every now. Text. In fact, any teen, any kids at college now listen to this, straight after it, text your parents. Just text. Yeah. Just send them a little text. They've loved you. They've cried over you. 
They've given birth to yeah. you. Please. Because you have got no idea how much it means. Yeah. And it's such a tiny thing to do. Do remember that your child has not gone forever. They will be back during the holidays and you can plan for this, perhaps by booking a family getaway. Mm. Entice them back even. Mm. Um, do think about your own life before you become a pet, before you became a parent. What did you used to... This was a tricky one for me. What did you used to do? How did you spend that extra time? What brought you and your partner together in the first place? And can you rediscover those shared pursuits or try new ones? Now, the difficulty for me in that one was drink, drink and drink and drink, which I don't do anymore. So, yeah, but we would drink, but we'd no, go to the theatre, the cinema. Yeah, of course. We'd go away for weekends, we'd yeah. go shopping. We can do all those things. Yeah. I'm looking forward to all that. I mean, one of the big things that I didn't think about until I saw this list as well is empty nesting has a real impact on siblings because, of course, when Maddie goes, yeah. she'll leave Kiki behind. And yeah. so there's a sibling left in my the nest. Going on, my, my friend was saying to me the other yeah. day, actually, she said, you know, there we were, me and my husband, crying <laughs> and, like, saying, oh, she's gone, she's gone. She's, yeah. And I suddenly thought... What's this like for our other child? I know, I know, I know, it's strange. So if you're really distraught, you've got to be yeah. careful how much you show that in front of the siblings. But my worry with Kiki uh, when Maddie goes is, will I be enough? Because, you know, Maddie is a great mm. sustainer of, of Kiki's humour and culture and they plug in e into each other's friendship groups. Music is massive. I sometimes think, oh, my God, I'm going to need to fill that gap. I'm going to need to fill that void. Worry, she's going to be at school next year. Well, she's going she to have so much travelling. She's yes. going to be fine. Well, interestingly, on this list, they say, don't worry about your younger siblings left at home. Yes, the next in line has to adjust to being the eldest, but they will actually enjoy more time and more attention. Some of them don't even want it. Children can be quite materialistic. An older sibling's departure might be a welcome route to a new bedroom and being able to get away with a bit more. I think that's quite a nice way of... Mm. That's your way of tipping the glass, you know, half full or half empty or whatever it is. Big don't. Don't, and this is my. This is aimed at me, don't ruminate on your loss. Avoid turning your child's bedroom into a shrine and do not spend time staring at all your old family God. photos. No, don't do that. That's I'm really worried. I might, I might just end up going on my computer. Go down that route. <laughs> See it already. And finally, do give yourself a high five. When you became a parent, this is probably what you hoped for, your child leaving home. You have done, done a good it. job. You've done a good job. The child is going off to be independent. Yeah. They come through us, not to us. So and I say that every every podcast. But my God, it's such it, it, the true word. It's true. We don't. They don't come to us for life. And when they when they finally pass through you, they usually make this sound. <laughs> Now, before we record each episode of our podcast, we ask you to get involved on social media. Hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to get in touch on our Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and Family. On Twitter, at Nadia Sawala. And if you're a little bit scared of Nadia and you're a little <laughs> bit worried that she might tell you off, you can always come to lovely, cuddly old me <laughs> at, at, on Instagram at Mark underscore Adderley. A-double-D-E-R-L-E-Y. So let's have a quick look at some of the socials. Mm -hmm. And um, so we had a lot of people reply to how are they feeling about their children leaving mm. their, their nest. Um, this one really resonated with me, Kamali. I feel like there's no point in carrying on. Oh. And that sentiment... Oh, ...has been crossed across... ...has come through on quite a few messages. Oh, I God. mean, quite literally, people feel rudderless and like they've lost their purpose oh. or their point. Um Cocken8867 says freedom, mm -hmm. with a huge exclamation mark. Um, Lainey says, when my daughter went to uni, I cried constantly for a week. It was as if she had died. Mm -hmm. So I think the element of yeah, loss... Yeah, a number of my friends have said that, actually. It's like a death. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that is my fear. That is my fear. Sarah says, I'm feeling like I've lost who I am. 
I've been a mum for 18 years and now feel like I'm simply not needed. That was like last year, not last year, a couple of weeks ago, we did a podcast and and somebody had contacted us, I don't know, I can't remember what the topic was, but she said, I stand in the supermarket and I don't know what to buy. Oh, don't. Oh, I know. It's like all those things oh, that Maddie has, yes. like her seaweed, yeah. all those weird things that you just won't... Oh, my God, I'm going to be buy. looking at photos and I'm yeah. going to be standing in the aisles of Sainsbury's. Seaweed. seaweed. We'll just have to eat seaweed. Oh, shit. Dottie the Westie says, all four of mine went to uni and as a single parent, this is tough, I was bereft each time it's awful. I cannot imagine what it's like as a single parent. No. I don't think I would cope no. at all. No. I really don't. No. So hats off to you again. Because I do think when I think of the girls going, I, I, I think of us and I think of us, yeah. you know, having more freedom and doing more stuff and not maybe worrying so much and... And the girls coming back and us doing lovely things with them and the girls and going to pick up the girls and having them over for Sunday long. I, I actually think of it in a really nice way, but I wouldn't be thinking of that in the same way if I was a single parent. No. But that said, that's because I have never been a single parent. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I mean, for I suppose... many people, they couldn't think of anything worse than sharing it with somebody else. So. Yeah, and I, I suppose the other thing, going back to blended families, is if you are a single parent, generally the mum who's been caring for the child and then your child leaves, you know, I have also put myself in the position of Aziz and, and Fleur's mums too. That must be quite tough because you are mm. fully letting go for the first mm. time mm. and really they're in the world to, to, to judge which parents they're going to go to mm. for certain things and it becomes a different sort of stress, doesn't it? Trudy Michelle, feeling anxious, stressed, tearful and happy at the moment. Mm. Most of all, like I'm standing on a cliff edge. Mm. Oh, God. Rockers, rocks, feeling that she doesn't need me any, anymore. I feel lost and my husband doesn't get it. And that must be really hard. Oh, God. If your partner doesn't understand why you're feeling what oh. you're feeling. God, that must be a nightmare. Yeah. I mean, some... How can he not understand what you're feeling? He that might not mis... feel the same. Yeah. But how could he not... It's like if I did come past Maddie's bedroom and you were sat in there listening to sad music and looking at photographs... I might think that's not the way I would do it. But you wouldn't say, get a grip, you sad No, my heart would ache for you (laughs) and mine would manifest itself in a different way. Sometimes worry you might find me like that and have it look like you're going to vomit on the floor. Uh, Monica, been there and survived. First term is like a death in the family, but it does get better. Yes. Distract yourself and plan trips. Yeah. Um, Sylvester, Sarah, mixed emotions, proud, scared, no longer needed except financially. Wish it wasn't only financial. Um, Ellie McCarthy, rubbish, but no one really cares about me and I have no friends. So, yeah, that that resonated for me because it's not that I don't have friends, but I'm just not very sociable. So I do sometimes think that as a parent, when you're you're thinking about this, if there's huge fear about, you know, what you will do socially because maybe your child is a huge part of your social life, you have to kind of get get to grips and start planning what your social socialising is going to be. Megan says she feels like she's drowning in her own anxiety. Uh, this one's great because it completely bucks the trend. Pippo, or Pipop, says, fucking love it. 18 years they've been in my house. Now is the time for me. That <laughs> <laughs> oh, was a really good mixture there. Yeah, yeah, good yeah. Buffet. Hot and cold running buffet. So there you go, guys. So, um, you know, I'm now going to go and look at sort of scroll, scroll through photos of times mm. yonder when they were young. I mean, one of the things that you do become when they leave home is uh, I've can't become almost like a rat catcher, mouse catcher. The amount of times, do you remember I had to move Izzy from uh, dig flat to flat because she was running away from mice. mice. There's bloody mice everywhere. If landlords could do something about the mice... Mice, It'd be really, really really nice for me. I appreciate that. (laughs) Well, 
Well, that's it for this episode of Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you'd like to comment on any of the topics we've discussed today, we'd love you to get in touch. Use the hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Nadia Sawala. And on Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and family. And if you fancy getting in touch with me, it's at Mark underscore Adderley. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate and review, tell your friends and get involved. And you can hear more episodes of Confessions of a Modern Parent on Global Player or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Ta-da! <laughs>